This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd with His Excellency Archbishop Alexander Sample as we continue this time of praising our Lord and this time of Eucharistic revival. I wanted to focus on, you know, the presence of Jesus Christ. We're in the month of the precious blood Mm -hmm. in the month of July. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk a little bit more about what we experience when we go to the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So with that... Would you help us open, Archbishop, with your prayer? Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, through the passion, death, and glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, what we call the Paschal Mystery, you have redeemed us and brought us back to yourself, reconciling us through his body and blood shed for our salvation. We ask that you help us to deepen our understanding of this mystery as it is present to us in the Most Holy Eucharist and in the Holy Mass. So we ask you now, Lord, to send your Holy Spirit upon us to anoint the ears of our listeners so that they may learn something and deepen their faith in this reality of your Eucharistic Son's presence. All of this we ask through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, as you say that, Archbishop, I just have to say I'm getting ready for a Marian consecration. And you Ah. talked about using those words of the Immaculate Conception Medal, the Miraculous Medal, you know, pray for us who have recourse to thee. So for all those who might this summer be working on a Marian consecration, uh, we'll be praying for you. It's a beautiful time. I just renewed mine on the the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I renewed my Marian consecration. So uh, yes, please, uh, what a great way to... uh, to go more deeply into yeah. the living of our faith. So beautiful. With Our Lady. With Our Lady. And Our Lady takes us to Jesus, Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. We've been talking, uh, we talked about adoration, particularly with the Corpus Christi feast we celebrated recently. There's a big word in the church, transubstantiation. <laughs> and I thought to maybe unpack this word to help us delve deeper into the sacrifice of the Mass. This, this teaching that Jesus taught, John 6 it's a tough one. My food, my body is real food. His flesh, his blood is real food for us. In fact, if we don't eat mm. of his flesh mm. and blood, we don't have life mm-hmm. in Christ. And we take Jesus for his words. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny, you know, it's a big word, transubstantiation. In fact, I'll just share with my our audience. Uh, I was at the gym, and a Catholic that goes to the gym that I go to, and of course knows who I am, came up to me right in the middle of one of, one of my routines, and he says, he said, I've been reading about uh, all of this <laughs> Eucharistic stuff, and I gave him a good website to go to, and he said, yeah, he says, there's this big word that we Catholics use, you know, and he couldn't even think of it, and I threw it out to him, transubstantiation. He says, yeah, that's, that's it. it, that's it, and he, you know, and, and it really was kind of having a hard time grasping it and, and, and really differentiating what we believe as Catholics about the Holy Eucharist and what some of our Protestant brothers and sisters do. Um, for example, in the Lutheran tradition, where they use the word we use to describe their theology is consubstantiation. Mm-hmm. So what does this word mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you have to understand what we're trying to get at here. I don't think it would be good for us to get hung up on big words and theological deep, uh, uh, you know, teachings that that go that deep. Although it's helpful to understand how we understand the Eucharist, but the main thing we're trying to get at here is this, and this is this this is the summary of really what transubstantiation means and what Christ's true presence in the Eucharist means. And this is what it means: that after the consecration. Bread is no longer present on the altar. Wine is no longer present on the altar. And that's very, that's a very important point in this because Catholics even get this very mixed up sometimes and confused. After the consecration, there is no more bread. There is no more wine. The entire, and this is where the word transubstantiation comes in, the entire substance of the bread and the entire substance of the wine has been transformed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That's what the word transubstantiation means. It means a change in the substance of what was there before into something different. Um, now, this is rooted in, in uh, Aristotelian Thomistic uh, philosophy and theology, uh, and, and so you have to—it's rooted in, a, in, a, in a, a sort of a metaphysical understanding of, of what material creation is all about and, and what, what the substance of something is. Now, we, I, don't, I don't think it would be helpful, really, to go too deep into that. There's plenty you can read about in, in St. Thomas Aquinas and how we understand substance and accident uh, in, in terms of, of, of metaphysics. But the, the basic point is that, yes, although the appearance is the same, so, I mean, the host that now has been transubstantiated into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ doesn't look any different. Mm-hmm. All right, it still looks the same. In other words, we call those the accidents. The appearances are still there, but the inner reality, the substance of what is there, is no longer bread. It looks like bread. It looks the same way it did before, but it it isn't what it was before. It's something completely different now. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The same with the wine that is in the chalice. It still looks the same. It still smells the same. It's going to still taste the same because the the appearances, the accidents of what wine is are still present. However, what it really is in its inner reality, in its very substance, is no longer wine. 
it is, again, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So it is, it is never proper to say that there is bread still mm-hmm. on the altar or there is wine still on the altar in which Jesus is present. That's what we call consubstantiation, that, in other words, Jesus is present along with the bread, mm-hmm. is present along in or with the wine. No, 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 no. From a Catholic understanding, and folks, this is so important to understand, from a Catholic understanding of the Eucharist, the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, there is, as I was trying to drive home, there is no more bread. There is no more wine. We can't say uh, that Jesus is, is in the bread or Jesus is in the wine. Why? Because there is no more bread there. There is no more wine there. It is truly Jesus mm-hmm. under the appearance of bread and wine. Just, just like the divinity of Christ was hidden under his sacred humanity, when he walked this earth, so his true presence is sort of hidden under the appearance of bread and wine, but it is truly Christ. And and, and the way we say it in, in Catholic understanding is that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, is truly, substantially, meaning in, by his very substance, and really present. And he's present body, blood, soul, that's his humanity. His body, his blood, and his soul. That's what a human person is, body and soul, and divinity. So his humanity united to his divinity in the hypostatic union uh, is truly present in the Eucharist. And, 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 oh, folks, this is so important for us to understand because it's not just a symbol. It's not just a sign. You know, it, it, it grieves me uh, to hear uh, folks speak sometimes about um, well, even, you know, I've heard over the years, in my 33 years as priesthood, you know, even extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion say things in the sacristy like, well, I'm going to do the bread today, or I'm going to do the wine today. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not bread and wine. It's it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ truly present under both species mm-hmm. and the same presence under both species. Right. And let's talk a little bit more about that, because we have 2,000 years of history of celebrating the Holy Eucharist. We have the blood, we have the body of Christ, and yet Jesus is present in all. Right. Right? We don't have just a fragment of Christ, or if, I, if not, I'm not receiving from the chalice, does that mean I didn't receive the whole Christ? And this is really, 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 here we go. This is really important, folks, and, and, I, and I want everyone to hear this, because, you know, uh, we, we uh, discontinued the, the, the practice of distributing Holy Communion by means of the chalice under the, under the, the form of precious blood, uh, under the appearance of wine, even though it is the precious mm-hmm. blood, during COVID during the pandemic, and we haven't yet returned to that practice, and we're, we're studying it, we're looking at it, and, and how, how to bring it back, and under what circumstances, etc. But as part of a bigger Eucharistic teaching and theology we need to do. But it's really important, folks, for you to understand mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ is no longer divisible. Right. He is, Jesus Christ is now glorified at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's whole and entire in his glorified body, with his soul and divinity glorified in the presence of the Father in heaven. And he cannot be divided anymore. So in the Mass, 
when the, the bread is consecrated into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, and the chalice is consecrated into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Yes, we use the words, this is my body, this is my blood, and I'll explain why we do this in, in the Mass. But the point is, under both, we call them both species, Eucharistic species. In other words, under the appearance of bread, under the appearance of wine, Jesus Christ is totally, completely, wholly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Let me emphasize the point. When we step forward to receive the host at Mass in Holy Communion, we receive that host. We receive in that host the body, the blood, Mm -hmm. the soul, and the divinity of Jesus Christ into us, the whole Christ we receive when in the days when we did offer the precious blood in the chalice when you, we stepped aside to the to that station to receive and drink from the chalice guess what we received the body mm-hmm. the blood the soul and the divinity of Jesus Christ in other words we have just received the same thing under two different species under two different forms if you will now granted it is a fuller sign of of communion. You know, it is, yes, and I would admit it's a fuller sign of what Jesus did with the apostles at the Last Supper. But, but people seem to have gotten the idea that I am deprived of something if I cannot receive from the chalice. Like, I'm not getting the blood of Christ. Why wouldn't I get the blood of Christ? Why are you withholding the blood of Christ from me? I had, an, I had a, a little bit of a conversation with someone after Mass one day about this, and I, I said to the individual, I said, you realize you did receive the blood of Christ today? And he said, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. No, I didn't. You know, he kind of went back and forth. I said, no, you don't understand what Catholic teaching is here. Jesus isn't, can't be divided up anymore. Right. He's either totally present or he's not present, you know, mm-hmm. when, before the consecration, after the consecration. But after the consecration, he's totally present, completely present in both species. So we're not being deprived of any graces we need for salvation if we don't receive from the chalice. In fact, a lot of people do not receive from the chalice, even before the pandemic. And quite honestly, you know, this was centuries upon centuries upon centuries practice of the church that the faithful only received the host. But in receiving the host, they received the body, the blood, Mm -hmm. the soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. I know I'm repeating myself, but I need to keep driving this this point home because it's become it's it's revealed to me actually how confused we are mm-hmm. about our Eucharistic theology. So you know, part of the reason that the the body and blood are consecrated separately at Mass, uh, that we say we we have the body and blood of Christ on on the altar, is because this is the symbol of Christ's death. It was in death that the body and blood of Jesus were was separated. Right? He, when he bled out on the cross, literally, he died on the cross. His, his blood was poured out from his body on the cross. And the Mass is the representation, the making present again of that sacrifice on the cross, making that sacrifice truly present in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, as we say. So the separate consecration really is a symbol of Christ's death. You know, St. Paul says, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the death, death of the Lord until he comes again. So the separate consecration into the body and the blood of Christ 
in the Mass is meant to be a symbol of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, which is now truly present in this Eucharistic sacrifice. But even, even as the priest, after the consecration of the host, let's say, is holding up the host for us to adore for a moment, in that host is also the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And when he holds up the chalice for our adoration after the consecration of the chalice, the body of Christ is present in that chalice as well, because Christ is whole, he's entire. So I, I really want to emphasize that, because I, I don't want, you know, whatever is going to happen down the road with the, the reintroduction of, of, of reception of the chalice, I, I don't want, you know, people to get the wrong idea about, you know, uh, something that somehow they're being deprived of. And, you know, I have to say something else, and, and I want to point this out. As, as a priest, as a bishop, I have traveled all over the world. Uh, I lived two years in Italy, uh, okay, the heart of Mother Church, right? Rome. I lived in Rome for two years. And in other countries, I have never, ever seen the precious blood from the chalice offered to the faithful at Holy Communion. Two years in Italy, I never saw it once. And nobody even thinks about it. They don't talk about it. Uh, because they understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I received communion, I received yeah. Jesus Christ, truly, substantially, holy, present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It's not an issue. It's actually kind of a, of, of, it's, a it's more of a North American, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, United States, maybe Canada issue. Uh, but around the world, yeah. people don't think about it. Talk to some of our international priests that are here in the archdiocese, whether they're from Africa or India mm-hmm. or the Philippines or Mexico, wherever. It just isn't done elsewhere. And again, nobody's, nobody's upset about it because they understand mm-hmm. the Eucharistic theology that I think, I think we've kind of forgotten, yeah. quite honestly, in this country. So, yeah, I, I, went, I, I realize that some people greatly miss it, um, the experience of it. But but please understand that that you know you are receiving the whole Christ uh, you know and and in under both species right, and it's a gift. We talk about receiving. I'm not almost that mentality that you're talking about. How come I'm not getting? Right. There's this. What do I get? Versus what am I receiving? And I think about our Blessed Mother. She was totally open to receive the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not an ego. There's not a, an ounce of ego or self-satisfaction in that way. And so how do we approach? Do I approach like I'm supposed to get something from the Lord mm-hmm. or I want to be open to receive his grace? Um, that That's my intention of how do I approach the Holy Spirit? sacrifice of the mass. Yeah. I think that, you know, to realize what an incredible, incredible gift this is. Yeah. That 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 God gives us himself in the Holy Eucharist, uh, truly uh, pours himself out for us in the Eucharist. I, I, it's, it's, it's amazing when we think about what Jesus has done. Jesus has, has given us the greatest gift that he can give us. He gives us the gift of himself, right. his true presence. I mean, you know, um, I used to, you know, when I would uh, be with little kids, you know, and I was trying to, I would try to emphasize to them, you know, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. I'd say, you know, I'd ask them this question. I said, you know, after the priest consecrates the host, after he says, this is my body, which was given up for you and shows it to you and places the host back on the altar. I said, what does he do right away? First thing. You know, and they have to think a little bit, but they'll say, oh, he, they usually, they'll say, he kneels down. Okay, well, yeah, we genuflect, right? And I tell them, I said, look, I, I'm not going to genuflect. 
in adoration before a piece of bread on, on the altar, but I will get down on both knees and adore my Lord and my God, as St. Thomas the Apostle said, mm-hmm. truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity on that altar. You know, so it's, it's this tremendous gift that God gives us of himself. And this is what, you know, as you quoted earlier, the sixth chapter of John's gospel, what we call the bread of life discourse. Jesus says, you know, and, and I don't know how, I don't know how Christians who do not believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist or the importance of celebrating the Eucharist and receiving Holy Communion, how they get around John chapter mm-hmm. six. Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. My flesh is real food. Mm-hmm. My blood is real drink. And, you know, when, the, when the, the, the listeners are murmuring among themselves and saying, how can this man give mm-hmm. us his body and blood to eat? Jesus just sort of like doubles down. He doesn't even back off at all. He doesn't say, well, you need to understand me in a spiritual way, or I'm speaking in a spiritual way. You know, don't take me too literally. He doubles down. The words he uses in, 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 the, in, the, in the Hebrew Aramaic are, are very strong words. Unless you chew, mm-hmm. eat, you know, use your teeth to, to chew. That's kind of what he's saying, the flesh of the Son of Man, unless you drink his blood. And, and he's not, he's using words for real flesh um, and blood. You know, you, you do not have life in you. I mean, that's, that's, that's from the words of our Savior. And he said at the Last Supper, this is my body. Mm-hmm. This is the chalice of my blood of the new covenant. And how we would doubt the words of the Lord. I mean, the church has always understood this. For 2,000 years, the church has had this belief uh, in the Eucharist. And we look in the Acts of the Apostles, they're already celebrating the Eucharist from the earliest days of the church when the apostles are still alive. Jesus is barely ascended into heaven. They're already celebrating the Eucharist. They mm-hmm. called it the breaking of the bread, but that was their euphemism for it, their way of expressing, describing what was going on in the celebration of the Eucharist. So this is our precious gift, my dear friends. This is, as the Vatican Council, Second Vatican Council taught us, the source and summit of the Christian life. The church teaches us that in the Eucharist is contained the entire spiritual good of the church. Listen to those words. In the Eucharist is contained the entire spiritual good of the church, namely Christ, our Passover. Yeah. Uh, so um, this is it. This is this is this is why the, the this is why the Mass is so important. Attendance at the Mass is so important. Participation in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass receiving Holy Communion worthily in a state of grace is so, so very important for the life of a Catholic. We can't live without the Eucharist. We literally cannot live without without the Eucharist. Yeah. Remember what Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Yeah. You don't have the life I intend for you because the life I'm giving you is me. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you me. This is the amazing thing. I am giving myself to you. Not in a symbol, not in a kind of just in a spiritual way, but I'm really giving myself to you so that when you receive me in Holy Communion, you receive me into your very body, into your very soul. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about, Archbishop, when Jesus becomes present, we kneel. We're in a state of reverence, in adoration at that moment. I mean, we as the community will also mm-hmm. kneel 
in appropriate times at the Mass. Mm -hmm. When I've received Jesus in the Eucharist after communion, I usually have a time of kneeling, Mm -hmm. of quiet, of prayer. There's a way in which we pray with our bodies to recognize and yeah. I think sometimes we might miss that or we don't yeah, quite you know, understand. You know, I don't know if anybody remembers. And I, again, it was before my time here. But I, I, I assume it was probably a practice, at least in some places here in the Archdiocese of Portland, as it was in places all across the United States, including when I was in the seminary uh, and where I went to the seminary. But there was a phase and a kind of a, it was a, the new thing, the fad thing to do back in the 70s, 80s was to stand during the Eucharistic prayer. You know, and this idea of kneeling was seen as, as sort of old-fashioned and, uh, you know, uh, kind of subservient and was demeaning somehow of the dignity of, of, of the worshipers gathered there, that we stand in the presence of the king. You know, we, we stand in respect. And it was this whole idea of, of, of not kneeling. And I think in those years in, in where that was practiced, I think it diminished our awe and reverence for the presence of Jesus Christ truly present in the Eucharist. And, you know, I, we, we, I, 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 did, I had to deal with this in the seminary, you know, is that we were told to stand during the Eucharistic prayer, and it just always felt horrible for me. Um, now, thankfully, that those practices have changed, and we kneel during the consecration. We kneel when the host is elevated. Even I reintroduced the, the, the practice of kneeling after the Lamb of God. Why? Because in a moment... The priest is going to hold up the host for you again. He's going to show the host. He's going to show you Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. again, truly present, and say, Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. In other words, behold, your Lord is before you. That's why we're on our knees because Jesus Christ is truly present, and, and it's, it's, it's so awesome. <laughs> it's just, I, I get all pumped up just, just talking about it and thinking about it that, you know, when I stand at the altar and any priest stands at the altar and he's holding that host in his hands and he's looking at it and he says those words, this is my body which will be given up for you in that moment in his very hands, what was formerly a piece of bread is now our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ there for our adoration, but more importantly, for our communion. Right. And I remember coming into the church, body of Christ, amen. When I say that amen, I believe this is the body of Christ when I receive. It's the true body, blood, soul, Soul, and divinity of our Lord in that moment, in that host, which is now the Yeah, you know, as you're saying that, uh, Dina Maria, I'm, I'm always thinking, you know, maybe it, maybe it'd be a better practice if you know, don't I don't I'm not <laughs> suggesting introducing anything because I'm one of those, you know, do what the book says, don't in, right. ad, introduce any liturgical innovations. But I wonder what how diff, what a difference it would make if when we were giving Holy Communion, uh, you know, we'd say the body and blood of Christ mm-hmm. uh, when giving Holy Communion, so that we emphasize to the people that mm-hmm. you know, or the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. You know, we're giving you the whole Christ present uh, uh, in, in glory. Yeah. Well, let's continue our Eucharistic revival. Let's continue to pray uh, that Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity will change us because we know Jesus changes. He transforms everything. Yeah, Jesus changes everything. Right, right. And he comes to us and he transforms us in in his Eucharistic presence. Amen. With that, would you help us close with your blessing? 
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And as always, we want to thank you for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. We hope you join us again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.